Hello and welcome to The Lancet Podcast. I'm Richard Lane and it's Thursday, December the 22nd. This is the final podcast of the year and we're going to discuss Ebola. Ebola happily hasn't featured quite as much in 2016 as it certainly did in 2015. We're going to be discussing the latest findings uh, of a vaccine trial done in Guinea. And I'm delighted to be joined on the line by one of the authors who's based at the World Health Organization in Geneva. Welcome, Marie Paul. Please, can you give me your full title, name and affiliation, please? Thanks a lot, Richard. So uh, my name is Marie-Paul Kini. I'm uh, the Assistant Director General in WHO in Geneva, in charge of health systems and innovation. In addition to this portfolio, I have been the, uh, the lead on all aspects of research and development for Ebola for WHO during the 2014-16 outbreak. Thank you very much. Can you just briefly remind us of the context here. As I said in my introduction, we're pleased that Ebola hasn't dominated the headlines in 2016, but it is still very important, the scientific effort therein, to manage when there is an Ebola outbreak, because of course, particularly in 2013-14, it was a terrible outbreak. Remind us of the toll that it took. Yes, indeed. And, and not only was it terrible, but it is also clear that the world cannot afford to go through this again. So we need to be prepared. But let's give a, a few numbers. So first, as you know, Ebola made the headlines, as you said, more, mostly in 2014-15. Uh, but actually, there were still cases in 2016. And indeed, the, the last cases occurred in March 16 in Guinea. The total number of uh, during the whole epidemics, 14 to 16, uh, goes up to 28 thousand cases and more than 11,000 deaths. So that's an, in, an extraordinary death toll in that region. So how did this all pan out and, and how did we get into this accelerated research and development that we had? By the end of August 2014, so there were already reported more than 3,000 cases and more than 1,500 deaths. We all saw the pictures on the TV of these ambulances coming with people half deaf, people uh, dying in the streets. And, and there was an extraordinary um, coming together of the scientists, the policymakers, everybody saying we need to do something and we need to try to, uh, to get as much as we can have from research in order to develop on an accelerated path the, um, a vaccine, new diagnostics, potential uh, therapeutic drugs or, or blood products. And, uh, and this is how uh, it, it came about to have this, uh, uh, this extraordinary association of the private sector, the public sector, uh, international organization, national regulators to try and make a difference in uh, this, uh, this Ebola epidemic and try to, uh, to develop a vaccine. Can you outline now the methodology and scope of this vaccine trial? And perhaps you could name it, because if I do, I'll, I'll, I'll get it incorrect. Give us the background to, to the scope of this trial. Starting in, in September 2014, WHO had quite a number of meetings to convene the policymakers and the scientists to see how, how we could best coordinate the, all the efforts in order to accelerate development of the vaccine. 
So in end of October uh, in Geneva, we had a meeting with high-level politicians, including ministers, and 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 we we heard that there were already two efficacy trials for Ebola vaccine, uh, for of course candidate Ebola vaccine, which were planned in Liberia and Sierra Leone. So in Liberia, there was a very classical uh, phase three randomized double-blind placebo-controlled trial planned by the Liberian government with the U.S. NIH, and in Sierra Leone there was a step-wedge trial planned between the U.S. CDC and the Sierra Leone investigators. When this came on the table, it became clear that there was nothing planned for Guinea. And, and the Guinean policymakers were saying, you know, what's happening here? We have been the first country affected. We want to be part of this research. WHO brought together a, a broad coalition with academics, with uh, policymakers, with MSF, the Norwegian government, the Canadian government. And we decided to move forward and implement an efficacy trial in Guinea. Now, when we looked at what was already planned, there was this large, uh, as I said, phase three trial, the gold standard of placebo-controlled, double-blind, uh, randomized in, in, in Liberia, another trial in Sierra Leone, which they had planned to vaccinate healthcare workers and vaccinate a number of hundreds of uh, frontline healthcare workers immediately, and then uh, the equal number, 600 late after six months. So the group in charge of developing the trial protocol for Guinea thought about, you know, where can we add value? Because these trials were planned and very well planned by very competent partners. So the question was, is there any way by which we could come with another design that would add value to the result that we expected to have in Liberia and Sierra Leone? So this is how the, the Guinea uh, ring vaccination trial for the Ebola-Sasufi trial was designed. So the Guinea ring vaccination trial is a cluster randomized controlled trial. It is controlled, and this is very important. The objective was to assess the effect of one dose of Ebola candidate vaccine administered by intramuscular injection in protecting against laboratory-confirmed Ebola uh, virus disease. It all started with confirmation of Ebola cases. As soon as there was confirmation of a case, there was definition of a ring. A ring is a cluster of all of the contacts of this case and the contact of the contacts. So this makes a ring. This included, of course, the contact of contact, which were absent at the time when the trial team visited them. And when we, we, we had all the lists, of all the contacts and the contact of contacts, then the list was stored, finalized, and then this cluster, this ring, was, was randomized to either be vaccinated immediately by the team who was there in the village or vaccinated after a 21-day delay. So as you can uh, so, sort out from what I say, is that the, the groups vaccinated with a 21-day delay served as control for the ones who were vaccinated immediately. So after vaccination, of course, the trial team followed uh, the, the vaccinated people for safety, but also all the clusters were followed for the potential start in vaccinated or not vaccinated people of Ebola. Then we enumerate at the end is the, the number of Ebola cases occurring in the vaccinated clusters or rings 
10 days after vaccination, and we compare the number of cases in the immediate vaccinated clusters as compared to the late vaccinated clusters who are the control. So the preliminary result that we published in the Lancet in, uh, in August showed that the vaccine showed 100% vaccine efficacy. So, of course, you know, we have to take into consideration the confidence interval. And, and there we had a lower 95% confidence interval at 74.7% at the interim analysis. So what happened at that moment is that when we had this result, we had discussion with the, D, the DSMB of the trial and also with the local authority. And there was the DSMB decided that we should stop delayed vaccination. So this is because... It was clear, even at the interim analysis point, that the, uh, the vaccination had an impact on the transmission of the disease, and this was confirming actually what the people from the ground, from the field, were telling us, is that when we had vaccinated, there was no more Ebola. So therefore, the DSMB, based on that, and also on the fact that we were really at the tail end of the epidemic and therefore recruitment of many more randomized rings where was, uh, was very uncertain, advised that we should stop delayed vaccination. After that, we only included rings that were immediately vaccinated. What we present in the, in the final report, the final analysis, is the totality of the data that we have accrued. So this is data on the randomized rings. So these were 51 immediate rings and 47 clusters that were randomized to receive a vaccination late. And in addition, we, we add to this data the 19 non-randomized clusters and, and we present the total analysis. So in terms of uh, the early analysis, we compared zero cases in the cluster which were randomized to receive the vaccine immediately as compared to 16 cases in the clusters randomized to receive the vaccine late. All these cases, we only count those occurring after 10 days after vaccination because indeed you need to let the vaccine have some activation of the immune system of a vaccinated person. And in addition, we wanted to eliminate from the analysis the people who might have been already incubating Ebola at the time of vaccination. We compared zero to six, uh, zero among in the immediate rings in vaccinated people after 10 days and 16 cases in the, uh, in the delayed rings of all uh, people who were uh, eligible for receive, to receive vaccination and to, who did not receive it because they were in a delayed ring. So in the new uh, evidence, what we present in addition to confirming all the data that we had already before, we also present an analysis showing zero cases 10 days after vaccination in all immediate immediately vaccinated contact and contact of contacts versus 23 Ebola uh, virus disease cases among all eligible contact and contact of contact in delayed plus all eligible contact and contact on contact never vaccinated in the immediate clusters. 
So the results show an estimated vaccine efficacy of 100%, again, but with a lower 90% confident interval being at 79.3%. Just also to mention, as well as removing the delay when you realised that the vaccine was efficacious, you also extended the vaccine use to, to children, didn't you? Yes, we did. One of the reasons where we were able to do this is as part of a phase one clinical trial that uh, that WHO organized in four different countries. There was one center in Gabon where they had already accrued safety data on children from 6 to 18. So based on the result of efficacy that we had in July and on the safety data that were accrued in Gabon, we were able to include uh, children in the study later. And one thing that the trial wasn't aiming to do, but seems to have observed slightly, perhaps you could just comment, though I realise it's only a sort of partial result, is some degree of herd immunity through this ring vaccination trial, i.e. among people who are not vaccinated, there seemed to be some effect. Yes, of course, our data suggests that there is an indirect effect called herd immunity, but the limited sample size actually prevents a definitive conclusion. In the overall ring vaccination effectiveness in protecting all contact and contact of contact, including vaccinating and unvaccinated, eligible and non-eligible, was 70.1%, which is absolutely a, a decent efficacy, but then uh, the lower bound of a confident interval goes into the negative. So there is a signal, a strong signal, but there's no definite conclusion. And finally, and this is the the important question, of course, next steps for this vaccine. Now, we hope not, but of course, there may well be another Ebola epidemic at some stage. What happens if Ebola rears its head again, particularly if it rears its head again soon? Because, of course, this vaccine, we've got some very encouraging findings here that you've just outlined so articulately, but there are policy issues to do with the vaccine, getting it licensed, take up, access to the vaccine, costs. Can you comment on how these results can influence policy for the vaccine moving forward? Absolutely. And it's important. And and we must remember that a new Ebola outbreak can occur anytime, anywhere in, you know, in, in Africa, mainly in, in countries which have already been affected. Actually, this has already happened, as I said, in 2016, in March, while the trial was already closed, there were cases in Guinea. So what happened there is that we have been able to use a provision of uh, US FDA, which is called expanded access. Under these expanded access provisions, the vaccine can be used and has been used again to do ring vaccination around these cases. The difficulty, if I may say, is that as the vaccine is not registered, this has to take place in the context of a study. So it wasn't a clinical trial, but it was still a study. So we needed to uh, to obtain ethical clearance, obtain uh, informed consent. And of course, this has in terms of, of classical response to an outbreak has some limitation. Until the moment where there will be an approved vaccine, we will have to continue to do it like that. So for the time being, there are protocols in place for compassionate use, which is this, under this expanded use access. 
access to the vaccine if there are flare-ups that occur. We have Merck has agreed to, uh, to provide the vaccine for that. MSF will be working in quite a number of countries, and CDC and, and WHO will be supporting Guinea and uh, Sierra Leone. We have something in place altogether in, in 12 countries at risk in order to be able to use the vaccine in case of, uh, of an outbreak. No, this is not the final solution. Of course, the final solution is, is a registered vaccine. So Merck is very busy actually putting all the dossier together because there is, of course, there's other efficacy data, but this by no means is all that needs to be submitted. And therefore, it is expected that the documentation, all the documentation will be submitted to the US FDA and also to the EMA in Europe by the end of 2017. So the earliest they could be a licensed vaccine would be in uh, in 18. Are you familiar with the other Ebola vaccine paper coming being funded through China? Yes, absolutely. It is really incredible also to see how many efforts to develop the vaccine have started at the beginning of this outbreak and seeing how this epidemic was unfolding. So we are aware, of course, of not only the, the Merck vaccine or the Canadian vaccine, as it was called at the beginning, on which we have worked, but of course a vaccine had been developed by, by GlaxoSmithKline. There is one developed by Johnson & Johnson. There was one also who went in clinical trial developed by Novavax which is an, uh, an inactivated vaccine or a subunit vaccine. Then we have also a vaccine in China and a vaccine which is already registered for uh, emergency use in Russia. And the Russians have even a second vaccine, which we understand have just finished phase two. So an extraordinary effort globally on developing these vaccines. It's fair to say that we are much better prepared for Ebola. It's not finished because first, there are many things that we don't know. For the time being, there's only one vaccine which... Uh, has been shown to have efficacy and we can't show more vaccine to be efficacious in the absence of, of epidemic. The question is, as you know, monopoly is never good. So on which what will be the basis for assessing the efficacy or potential efficacy of the other vaccines. Also, we know that the vaccine was quite efficacious, but very soon after vaccination because there were no case later. So what we don't know is how long the efficacy will hold. So we will have some idea of that because there are many trials which are still ongoing or have been analyzed looking at the immune responses to this vaccine and, and other vaccines. So for Ebola, we are no doubt better prepared. But, uh, but we should also not forget that there are other emerging diseases. We have MERS, there's SARS, there's uh, Lassa, there's Crimea uh, Congo, not even to mention Zika, for which we are not prepared at all. So it is very important also to keep uh, in mind and uh, keep with the policymakers the lessons learned that we cannot be complacent and that it is absolutely crucial to do research and development prior to an outbreak in order, when there is an outbreak, to have something which is ready or, or nearly ready to, to use or at least to test for efficacy. This is uh, the work of many, many uh, stakeholders now. WHO has its own part of it. We have developed an R&D blueprint for preparedness against epidemics, and, and we hope that, uh, that the international community will remain mobilized to move this forward. Dr. Marie-Paul Kearney on the line from the World Health Organization in Geneva. Many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet and best wishes of the season to you. Thank you very much. The same to you.